A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by Andy Murray to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review AEW Dynamite and Rampage, WWE Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay-per-views, live events. We have wrestler interviews on occasion. We have uh, wrestling roundtable discussions. We answer your burning wrestling questions, and we host a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture big one tonight feels mm. like a big dynamite i feel like strategically they've built this as a big dynamite knowing that there's a, a widespread interest in pro wrestling my take and it's as cynical as ever murray is that they've decided because there's a pattern with AEW dynamite where weeks and weeks can go by where you kind of know the winner of every single match and the matches will be great but they don't have many dramatic uh ramifications because the ones you can't decide happen on pay-per-view, which you're meant to pay for, you're meant to feel premium and elusive. I think Longbone Tone, Tony Khan, has decided, you know what? <laughs> it is incredibly likely that WWE will probably do a great WrestleMania or a captivating WrestleMania or a momentous WrestleMania. They are going to screw up the Monday after because they simply can't do television and they only care about the big event of the year. I think he strategically booked the main attraction for this, which is obviously FTR versus Young Bucks 2, knowing they're probably going to botch Monday. They're probably going to have another sort of wave of fans who feel hard done by sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Suck it into it, mm. sold a bag of goods, and thought, if they don't like Raw, let's do a huge dynamite, or at least a huge dynamite match to sort of capitalize on their sense of disappointment I feel like this is strategic. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, literally, it's the old chestnut. He's put a potential pay-per-view main event on television for the week. And that is a talking point that is still relevant to AEW because they sell pay-per-views. They don't have a streaming platform. It's a, uh, you, you can't say that kind of thing about WWE anymore because there's no such thing as giving something away on free TV because you're paying for Peacock anyway, right? Um I think that he read the buzz heading into WrestleMania. I think surrounding the Cody situation, the the genuine excitement for Roman versus Brock and things like Bianca Belair as well, uh, Steve Austin, of course, and went, yeah, I mean, let's ride this wave a little bit. Let's um, do some counter-programming. That's what yeah. it kind of feels like. And, you know, it's, it's about the, time he had his turn. Yeah, for sure. And it's not something he's done a lot of. Um, if it was uh, like a habit 
if it was a thing he was doing every week, we would sit here and we would criticize it just like we did for NXT when every single week of NXT felt like it was, hey, here's a title match that you probably should be waiting another seven weeks for, but we're going to do it right now, maybe because we've got a, a, a war to lose less embarrassingly. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really stacked lineup. Uh, the past few weeks have been very good, AEW Dynamite-wise. It feels, for the first time in a while, because there is a pattern with AEW programming as well, where the fallout from one pay-per-view and the start of the new cycle is a bit slower, and you get three or four or five weeks where uh, everything eh, you know, makes sense, and there's some good matches here and there, and the storylines move from A to B to C, and you can kind of see where they're going. Um, but it doesn't usually ramp up until you get about four weeks out from the pape. Here, it feels like they're accelerating a little faster. We obviously have Battle of the Belts. I think the positioning of Battle in the Battle of the Belts in close proximity to Revolution and um, uh, Double or Nothing is good because it kind of forces their hands a little bit and makes them go, oh yeah, we have two things to build towards now. We have to accelerate quicker. And uh, this this TV show is an example of that. It's Battle of the Bells next week. I've got no idea, you know. And that's it not is. good. I think they should no. have really, really hammered home. Like, I'm not an idiot goldfish. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to promote it. Because I think there was a bit of confusion last week about um, CM Punk cut a promo saying he doesn't know who the title holder is going to be next week. And I think everyone to like a man was like, oh, so that's next week, Battle of the Belts. And I think they asked that question because they hadn't been explicitly told what the yeah. actual yeah. answer was. Um, but yeah, no, I'm hyped for this tonight. Murray will put this off as much as possible. Oh, let's do it, baby. Right, it's <laughs> Young Bucks versus FTR 2. Now, we kind of have to say when previewing this match, obviously who's going to win, but what we like to do on this um, podcast as well is we like to um, look at the prospective quality of the match to determine how good it's going to be, fantasy books and spots, and just basically see how much artistic merit we are thinking it's going to have. We have wildly divergent takes on the very first Young Bucks versus FTR match, the only one to date, which obviously took place at Full Gear 2020. I rewatched it last night because I loved it, and I still love it. Murray didn't have the same opinion. But I'll tell you one thing, though. I was always taken when I was in the pandemic, right? I couldn't watch old wrestling matches. I never went through the archives or like went back and watched things that I've always liked and like to revisit on occasion because um, it just felt so bittersweet. It just exposed that we all allowed pandemic wrestling a lot of latitude because we were in the, the mindset of this is what we're stuck with. Let's enjoy it on this on these terms. I barely watched any wrestling because I just couldn't, I just didn't want to ruin what was like the goodwill we extended towards pandemic wrestling to make it feel better than anything it actually was. So going back to watching Young Bucks versus FTR, having watched what almost a year's worth of new live full crowd content was genuinely quite a striking experience, and yet it was still an amazing match. Mm -hmm. You didn't like it. Yeah, I wasn't keen on it. Um, so I'll, I'll unpack my reasons why, and then I'll unpack why... Uh, it doesn't actually affect my anticipation for this match. Um, I felt that the story was extremely forced and unearned. I think that the the love letter to tag teams of previous years where they were busting out all the old moves um, as means of desperation because they're 
their conventional styles weren't working against each other. They were so close with these contrasting styles and they were cancelling each other out so they had to dive deeper and do heart attacks and stuff. And of course, Cash doing the flippy-do off the ropes and the no-flips-just thing. I think that that is a, theoretically a phenomenal story. They started busting out these moves about 10 minutes into the match. For me, you, that's something you really need to... That That's a 50-minute match story for me. Uh, what was... We got like 30 and uh, at full gear and... It felt really undercooked. It felt forced. It felt unearned. It felt, and that this is going to sound like a harsh criticism, but I'm about to put these people over huge, and you, everyone who's listening to this knows I love them. It felt masturbatory to me. It felt like they were massaging themselves through this, and yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I really just didn't enjoy it. I was in a bit of a funk um, with wrestling in general at the time. I think the the kind of the pandemic dread was really creeping in for me about this time, which certainly it was getting like the second big wave as well. Wasn't yeah, it? and it was just like, oh, when's this crap gonna end? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of become a meme in our office. It's like, oh god, Murray and Cedric are having the circular conversation about this match again, and it's like, it's the thing where I'm not gonna say it was a bad match because, like, so many people enjoyed this, and like, here's another thing where we disagree on. I don't think there's such a thing as an objectively good wrestling match. I think it's entirely like any standards you can apply any factors that you enjoy in a match, how that impacts your match is a, is subjective. And that's why I think that, hey, just rate by how much you enjoy it. So I rated it three stars, <laughs> which I, is still a good match. I rated it five. It's a pandemic five because sure. you can't watch something like this and then FDR versus the Briscoes and compare because it's just the circumstances were so unfair. Uh, but they kind of had to kind of do a pay-per-view attraction. They couldn't hold off on it forever. Everyone wanted to see it and all the rest of it. What I loved about that match by the same token, is that, yes, I understand how finisher kill shots were kind of kicked out of just to do the next one to sort of maybe indulge what they loved about tag team wrestling. I love the chronology and the placement of when FTR were doing these moves and what it said about the story and how it created scope for the rematch because they started um, cutting off the ring in half. They did a phenomenal job of building to the Nick Jackson hot tag. His actual hot tag was one of his best ever. Then they kind of slowly realized through the moves and no expo- exposition that, ah, uh, Christ, we need to dig a lot deeper than this because mm. they are kind of the better team. That's the, the part faces. that I thought needed more time. Yeah. But what I loved about it was like, so they started doing moves from um, the 80s, Steiner Brothers, Power and Glory. Um, and then they realized, oh, hang on, that's not working either. And then they had to betray their core philosophy and the teams that they were inspired by growing up and when they were forming their careers. So then they did the DIY spot. And if you watch... Cash Wheeler's like, look, I know it's a modern move. I know whether no flips just fist guys, but God damn it, like, you kind of have to do this. And I thought that was such a nice way of FTR putting over their sort of... They obviously love the new style. They work in the same speed and the rhythm as it as well. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. things a gimmick. But yeah. I just love how it was like, all of tag team wrestling should be embraced. And like Dax Harwood's face when he was like, come on, let's do the meet in the middle. Dax Harwood was like... I, I hate having to do this. It goes against everything I stand for, but I kind of have to do it. So it's like the the chronological progression of the tag team moves they did and how it informed the finish. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was absolutely luxurious and it put over the Young Bucks as the winners. But this is different now. Shockingly, the rules have been reversed. I'm even more excited for this match and I think it's got the potential to be better and it's not just the crowd. Like, provided they get enough time and as we yeah. go it yeah. further into this preview, I think they will, given what else is on the card and how long I expect everything to last, is that in 2016, the dream match was Young Bucks versus The Revival. And one of the reasons is because the Young Bucks were incredibly cocky young dudes who just realized that 
we don't actually have to pretend we're only doing one promotion. We've got this being the elite platform. We can get over by being incredibly irritating, breaking down the, the boundaries between this wrestling world because we're not in a company that, pro that prohibits us from doing so. Mm -hmm. So basically, FTR versus Arrival as a 2016 uh, revival, as a 2016 dream match was dickhead young bucks that everyone just kind of fell in love with regardless versus the revival. It was different in 2020 because it was babyface young bucks versus the revival. It wasn't quite that same competitive energy. And I think if you remember the build, it was awesome with Paige and Omega involved. But the last four weeks before full gear, everyone crapped on that build because it was yeah. kind of rubbish. Yeah. It was young bucks being earnest. This version tonight of total heel young bucks is kind of like the 2016 dynamic where the 2020 wasn't. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you remember, there was a great um, thread. And it was consistent, Murray, throughout the first match where Dax Harwood bladed his hand. Yes. Because yes. it was no flips, just kicks, and then couldn't be kicks either. Well, that's why it wasn't two and a half, mate. So it was like, <laughs> piss off, man. <laughs> so it was, you know, who, like, they're both completely, their advantages are neutralized, created loads of drama. It was great. Dax Harwood, because he's a goddamn genius at this at this point, I think, has been selling his hand at um, Supercard of Honor. Mm -hmm. He punched one of the Briscoes in the face. I can't remember who. And he's like, oh, God damn it, that really hurt. Because he should be selling a punch on your hand because it really, really hurts. I think they're going to go after big time that hand tonight. I think that's going to be one of the key threads. I also think Young Bucks being dickhead heels in this role are going to really take the piss out of the slapstick element of 80s pro wrestling. Don't do it too deep into the match because it'll detract from the fact that it's actually meant to hurt. But I think they might start over-egging their selling at the start just to really take the piss mm. and get under the skin of the revival. Because a lot of 80s Southern style is slapstick. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You get yeah. the catharsis. Yeah. I really hope. There's a certain earnest... Not cringe for me. There's a certain... There's lots with 80s Southern style tag wrestling that you can parody. I kind of hope the Young Bucks do just to piss them off. I hope they get the reckoning for daring to do that. I really think this could be absolutely exceptional. And given what else is on the card, do you think this goes first, gets the ad break, and goes like 25 minutes? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be the one that they go... Because the new main event is the opener, right? So they're going to start on the ring, no entrances. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, with this wonderful Big Bang Theory leading... Uh, more eyes are on it. Yeah, the opener is the new main event when you have that kind of lead-in because inevitably your figures are going to drop off throughout the show. So, yeah, I think they'll put it first. Um, I think they'll get lots of time. And, um, yeah, no, I, I even though I didn't enjoy the first match, as I found the story far less satisfying than the overwhelming majority of human beings on the planet, um, it seems, um, it doesn't impact what I how much I'm looking forward to this match as well because... I feel like they've kind of got that story out of their systems now. Um, they know, the characters know more about themselves and how they fit into the AEW system. Um, for me, a more believable execution of the, the previous story with the going deeper into the well um, would have been either at the end of a 60-minute match, right, which is a different bag of fish. Should people go 60 minutes, whatever. Bag of fish? Bag of fish. Kettle of fish. Kettle there of fish. we go. Bag of fish. Just a bag of chips. I bag think of that's, chips. That's there we go. Idea. There we go. That would have been more satisfying either at the end of a longer match where, to me, the spots would have felt earned rather than, again, brother. rather than fast-forwarded. <laughs> uh, or in the second match where they've largely neutralized each other in the first and they work to a really invented double count-out. I've made that up. I don't want a double count-out, obviously. Um, so that's why I'm more excited for this. Also, I'm a dork. I keep a spreadsheet of every match that I watch 
and feel is noteworthy, right? So just to give you an idea, so far this year, I've watched matches and logged matches from 39 different wrestling companies. Yeah, what an absolute Dork. hipster. AEW to WWE to Zero One to Ice Ribbon, right? Loads of wacky promotions. So I watch a lot of wrestling is the point. And what I do is this is this makes it even worse. I'm about to out myself as the worst guy ever. I assign points based People on... People already know this. Aye, but, I, you know, here we go. I assign points based on the quality of the match. It starts at two for a three-star match, and it goes up to 80 for a five-star match. And there's, like, different intervals because I believe the gap between a five-star and a four and a quarter, uh, four and three-quarter should be bigger than the gap between a three and a three and a quarter. That in mind, it's a way of ranking who I think the best in-ring wrestler has been this year, right? My top two at the moment, number one, nine matches ranked. Brian Danielson, 158 points. No surprises there. It's Brian Danielson. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Number two, CM Punk, 144, right? Number three, Dax Harwood, 140 points. So that means that by my scale, if this match is better than like three and a half stars. Which it's guaranteed which, to be. Which it effectively is guaranteed to be, if they don't tell a crap story this time. I'm joking, I'm joking. He's... Dax Harwood is the wrestler of the year. The form these guys are in is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it feels like they've really found their style now. It's kind of a meme with people who've been kind of on board fully with the FTR run all the way. It's kind of become a meme that, oh, people were pretending they were bad for two years or any nonsense like that. That's not true. That's not true. There were certainly times in the revival, the revival, God, uh, when FT early in their run, where they weren't working the professed style. They were uh, working spot fests, only they were punching people in the face instead of doing hurricane ranas uh, and super kicks and stuff. And uh, the output wasn't always incredibly satisfying. Um, there was the odd uh, one here and there, like when they when we had the, the crazy flipping pile driver off the top rope match, the multi-man tag, and there are other examples where they've had really good matches. But this year, from the extremely traditional... So, like you say, borderline slapstick match at times with the Rock and Roll Express to the Briscoes match to Dax's singles work. These guys have been locked into a completely different gear. And you hear it in their promos as well. Like, it's the kind of stuff that should be hacky. Like, my family, this business, all of, all of that stuff. So many people have used that blueprint and been on in inauthentic over the years uh, that it's extremely difficult. We're going 17 minutes on this match alone. I love it. Uh, it's extremely difficult to pull off, and they're doing it. Um, they're in the form of their lives for me. This is the best three-month period of their careers, I think, for me so far. Uh, I have the highest hopes. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to, to Brandon Cutler as Jim Cornette. Yes. The outside. You know, instead of the tennis racket, we got the spray. It's going to be awesome. He's going to stooge off like a, a complete idiot. I don't know if you saw any of the clips recently from his recent uh, dark match with Frankie That's Kazarian. Kind of awesome. He's such a good dark, isn't he? Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun on the outside. Uh, the ceiling is five stars, obviously. Of course it is. Um, yeah, and I think that these characters are just a lot more comfortable with their place in the AEW universe. <laughs> Me too. It feels <laughs> like it's succeed. being sort of expanded to accommodate them. It feels very much like their year 
We've had this on an exposition level. We've seen it in sort of the work. This leads me to believe that this is going to be way more FTR influenced in terms of how it goes. I think the books have realized, right, 2021, we were yet again the best, best tag team in the world. I think it was their best year ever. I thought they were unbelievable from a character, importance, in-ring work perspective. It feels to me like, sorry, right, we've had our turn doing this. They've been sort of downgraded in the narrative. Um and I think they're going to say to FTR, right, okay, this is your year. You've had the Briscoes match. We're clearly building you to be the biggest deal yet and that you've been in AEW since 2020. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's have your match. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be their match. The question, so still have to talk about this. It's so momentous. I think Bucks win through nefarious means so they can say 2-0. I think that they are going to run this back. Maybe a double or nothing. Maybe in California. Um, certainly one of those two shows and really put FTR all the way over with more build for this babyface turn. Mm. I think it's too soon for them to win. I think FTR lose via Brandon Cutler or something. How do you see this going? Because it's the most unpredictable yeah. dynamite in ages this. Like even CM Punk versus MGF, you can't have an inkling that yeah. they're going to go to revolution. This is wildly unpredictable. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, the direction you've outlined is the most compelling. Um, you really want to mint FTR as baby faces. The time is the time to do it is later down the line, absolutely, because they've still got this brimming tension with MGF that needs to be paid off somewhere as well. Um, I feel like that coming together just before they finally beat the Young Bucks is a really good story, and I think that's what they should go with. I think also that's what they will go with because they did the angle as well at Ring of Honor where they attacked the Briscoes and FTR saved them. So if uh, the Young Bucks win here and become Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Okay, here's your first main event for your next Ring of Honor pay-per-view. The pieces just fall into place. And also, 
Tony Khan, I believe, has been told by AAA that he can do whatever the hell he wants with this as well. Yeah, they, they don't, don't care mind. about titles. They yeah. do not care about titles. Uh, Lucha promotion. Libre, like CMLL has like 30 different belts or something. Some of them haven't been defended in like five years. Some of them are like lost in Japan and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I think it's going to go as well. Uh, I look forward to fighting over it tomorrow morning. Oh, Christ. <laughs> when I give it five and you give it two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons why I think this is going to get the whole, let's go, let's go. Like, if you remember at Grand Slam, um, Kenny Omega and Danielson drew holy chance just when the bell sounded. It yeah. sounded like a title change. People were that hot. I think they're going to go something like that. Um, they'll see them in the ring. They'll ring the bell and then they'll get an eruption for like this big bang theory crowd going, oh, Christ, this looks like the best and biggest thing ever. One of the reasons why I think it's going long is because I think there's a certain match that's going to go very, very short, and that is the debut of Samoa Goddamn Joe <laughs> against Max Caster. Obviously, we know Joe's winning. Yes. He's potentially... I don't think they're putting him in this tournament to lose, so that's very, very interesting. That's a conversation for another day. Here's what I think is going to happen, right? I don't think Max Caster is going to get a lick of offense. I don't want to see Joe sell. I think people have seen him sort of labor and sell for so long. I think they need an instantly reminder of the audience, just who Samoa Joe can be, because honestly, I've kind of forgot, and it's their job at this point, to substantiate the, the, myth, the, the myth that is Samoa Joe. Here's what's going to happen. I've seen a lot of people um, speculate that Max Caster, this would be such a wonderful way of conveying Samoa Joe is terrifying. If Max Caster comes out, and this is not my take, I've seen it on Twitter, go, listen, listen and be very timid in his approach to the rap because he's the last guy in the company that he really wants to piss off. And then he sort of does like a really weak rap where he puts him over um, and then just gets his ass kicked. I would prefer it to go completely the other way. I love the idea, but Caster, that he, I love that as a joke, but he is, he's an idiot. And he's going to talk himself into trouble and he's going to say something to the effect of, oh, you were a dud, he got fired twice. They've, they've played around with it where the Anthony Bowens, where is it tonight? Boston! The acclaimed have arrived. And like Moxley hit him with the boombox. Uh, what if Boston tope through the ropes and he just gets a suicide <laughs> dive on his ass? Cut to Max Caster. His face is a picture. He gets muscle busted on the outside, put into the ring, killed instantly. Yeah. That's all you need, isn't it? That's all you need. When I saw this booking, uh, I was a bit worried straight away because I was like, oh, ah, they're not going to want to flatten Max Caster, are they? Um, but it, it, even though it fits the character, we've seen it recently with, with various people who've come in where they've been positioned opposite people. AEW have built to a degree, so the recent example of that would be wildly different, obviously, but Tony Storm versus the Bunny would have been a situation where Tony Storm could have probably benefited more from someone she could just steamroll. Um, but it's easier to do that with Caster because he's a little twat. <laughs> like that's his gimmick. He's a little pain in the ass. Um, the all time. I'm glad you make reference to the all time great John Moxley spot where he clobbered yeah, it. That's awesome. Yeah, and you could hear the fud on the microphone and stuff. I'd love to hear that recreated. Just hey, how are you? <laughs> like that would be sensational. Um, this is Joe's second match in two years. It's crazy to think that. Um, prior to the Caddy and Cross match last year, his last match was like February 2020. And then he had the issues with the, he obviously he was concussed while shooting a commercial and he had a wellness policy thing and all kinds of stuff. So like the thing with Joe coming into AEW is that a lot of people don't like saying this, but physically he's not really been the same for about five or six years. 
Right, he's even not, longer, man. Yeah, like he can go way back. Like even before he came into WWE in the first instance, not quite the explosive guy he used to be, right? But that's all right. That's all right because in in WWE you can go by aura, uh, aura presence, charisma. He still has those in spades. He's not the guy who's going to come out and give you these blistering, like lightning paced matches that he used to anymore, and that's totally fine. I think that there are very few. Re- I, and this is why I'm still really hyped about him. There are very few wrestlers in the world who are better suited to kind of settling into that late career, grumpy, pissy veteran role. And while Joe hasn't shown many signs of doing that in WWE, I don't really hold that against him because it's so regimented in WWE and it's, here's what you're doing, do it, for the most part. Um, So I'd be very interested to see what comes of that and how he evolves in the ring. You should just kill Max Caster in two moves. You're absolutely right. What I love about this as well, I, as I said, I've not been high on Samoa Joe as a performer for quite some time. I thought his NXT run was quite, in retrospect, yeah. mid. I think a lot of people wanted it to be better than it was, myself included. It was mid. Main roster, he was better in flashes on the main roster, genuinely with the Lesnar match and his part in that. The Lesnar build was phenomenal. Le- Lesnar build yeah. was phenomenal, I think. The match was better than a lot of people thought, and he played a great role like certain matches with AJ Styles. I think he had a better main roster run than NXT. I thought the NXT run was made, it just made you realize, oh, he's not the same guy in ROH. But I digress. One of the reasons why, in spite of all the rational evidence in front of me, I think AAW can book Joe really well. Look at Sting. Look at Keith Lee. If you're thrashed, there's no pattern that you have to... This is weird. Everyone's young in WWE thing, and everyone's sort of in their athletic prime and they sort of make them work these matches that just sometimes they just fall short of. They'll book, like Tony Khan is so great at booking at this point, he will relish with glee the idea of doing his favorite Joe spots or getting the most out of Joe, and I just genuinely think like this could be a huge success um, because they can book around thrashed guys phenomenally well, and sorry to break this to people, but Samoa Joe's absolutely thrashed. But this should be a good version of Aura Guy Joe, Thrashed or not thrashed. Um, the cheat code yes. is on AEW Dynamite tonight. Basically, what's happening here is that as part of the extended AFO, AHFO fallout angle, surely this is the last of this business because mm. we've got uh, the Hardys against Butcher and Blade in a tables match. No word of a lie. I'm not a big Hardy Boys guy. Buddy Ray makes it impossible to be a Dudley Boys guy, <laughs> given what he's like in 2022. <laughs> One of my favorite undercard matches in WWF history remains Dudley's Hardy's tables match. I prefer it to some of the triangle ladder matches, honestly. It's yeah. such a great, great goddamn tables match. It's just frenetic, dangerous, so well-structured and arranged. I remember like my mind was boiled when I first watched that. I was blown away. That whole pay-per-view, man. It was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. So this match is... Apart from me, Young. Yes. Anyway. Indeed. Why you throwing us off my fucking tree? This is God rest her soul. A nice feel good, stupid stunt show that's more smartly crafted than you think. Um excuse to just get the most out of the Hardy Boys while you yeah. still got them while the while yep. the nostalgia is still sort of like really earnestly felt. This is Tony Khan doing a speed run of booking the Hardy Boys character arc yeah. in AEW, and guess what? I'm absolutely here for it. They can do some stuff near the time. They'll do a match of the Young Bucks, guaranteed, at some point, and that's when he can draw on the fact that these guys are kind of broken, they're a bit older, um, 
for getting the young bucks over, for as heels. All of this can come. You can do an emotionally resident Hardy storyline later. For now, Tony Khan's really good at this. He's speed running the nostalgic part of the Hardy Boys run now with tables, with plunder brawls, with wild stun shows, arena-wide brawls. You can do the more important quote-unquote stuff later. Why not do this now? Why not have as much fun yeah. with the Hardy Boys now? And this should be nothing less than fun, surely. Yeah, exactly. Um, th- they're doing a lot of these. Like, the Hardys in general are doing a lot of these crazy matches in quick succession. So you wonder if after this period where they've had these wild brawls and Jeff's diving off of ledges and stuff, um, if maybe they're going to take a few weeks to heal up and, and maybe transition into something different after this. Because um, the guy's been in the media going, yeah, I'm mean, doing this one on Hurts like hell. I messed it up the other week. It's It's... It's horrible. Um, talking about this being his last run as well with the Hardys. Um, I I really do think that when it comes to these stunt shows that you have to make your money with them now because who knows what kind of condition they're going to be in a year from now. Let's go. Let's do it. And like you've said, they've, they've opened up Doom and typed in IDDQD on the keyboard. Their eyes have turned golden and they've put the Butcher and the Blade in another plunder match. It, it, it's literally never failed. Every single time it has been at least... Fun, and I would argue that the bunkhouse match and the the false count anywhere the young bucks, oh my god, the young bucks were genuinely great matches as well. And I'm not saying that because it's my favorite tag team since the Legion of Doom. Like it's they they, they hit every time. Um, you know what this match is going to be. There's no point in saying it's going to be anything else. It will be smartly constructed so that the big spots, and there will be a big spot because Jeff is probably going to do what he did at Royal Rumble 2020, yeah. uh, tw- 2000, sorry, and set up 20 ladders outside the ring and all of that stuff. Uh, tables, sorry, I'm all over the place. Um, Butcher's probably going to do something cool as well. He's doing these really cool spots in his matches these he's days. He's awesome. Yeah, like thrashing Darby into the into the side of the barricade or throwing him downstairs. He's probably going to do something really brutal that will resonate even more because everybody knows that the physical condition of the Hardy Boys is not what it used to be. Whereas his is getting better by the day. Yeah, the guy's a machine, yeah, isn't he's he? He's awesome. The guy, he's leaning out. He's looking meaner. He's looking tougher. Got the beard fully grown in and stuff. Guy's awesome. He rules. Grey in the beard as well, which is, you know, something I look for in beards. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Uh, only two more matches announced. I hope that's kind of it. And I know Joe Caster's going to go short, but I really want Bucks FTR to be absolutely awesome. Obviously, you're not ready for them to announce two hours before the show. The Jericho Appreciation Society Town Hall oh, Session do something like that. But in terms of the yeah. matches, that's all I'm yeah, interested yeah. in. Uh, the second... So the first of the next last two matches at time of recording we have to preview is, uh, you know, it looks it feels a bit basic, this. Hikaru Shida versus Julia Hart in an Owen Hart Memorial Cup qualifier. I expect Hikaru Shida to win. I don't expect that much from the match. And if anything, genuinely, uh, this is the only part of a loaded, momentous dynamite that I've got uh, apprehension about. I don't like the idea of the prospect of Julia Hart doing some acting. Obviously, Hikaru Shida is the babyface. Uh, she's going to play babyface. Julia Hart is potentially going to uh, do some I'm turning evil stuff and I might cheat because I've been corrupted by the mist and I'm just not really into it. If she mists Sheeda and doesn't upset, that would be pretty damn cool. That would know? be funny, wouldn't it? Leading to Sheeda and Deeb. Deeb could come down, distract Sheeda. Like, mist makes all supernatural stuff cool. Yeah, That's the <laughs> yeah. finish I would yeah. book. That's great. A shock in the tournament is like Gato G1 stuff. Yeah. Where like you want to establish that 
this thing, you must watch it until the conclusion because you're going to get some twists and turns all along the way. My God, I've just taught myself into looking it's forward really to good. this. And then in the next round, you could do something cool, like have someone really tough. Who's really tough? Nyla Rose Nyla could Rose. slap the mist out of her mouth or something. Yes. It's your next spot. Really good stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, this rules. Like, I was just looking at it before this podcast going, oh, yeah, she's just going to win in advance. In about eight minutes. Yeah, and it'll be fine. And there'll be... Hoses. Maybe two minutes too long. Yeah, there'll be some stuff from the house. Probably don't care because I've been conditioned not to care. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, probably how it's going to go, to be honest. It probably is, but your finish is really good. I hope they do that instead. Indeed. Uh, last match, that is on the uh, scheduled card. Um, and what we'll bring uh, close to this podcast with is something that you've said in the office that you hope will get something worthy out of a performer that subjectively you've mm. not really been into. That is Adam Cole versus Christian Cage. It obviously ties into the... Um, sort of dual program, if you like, between um, Hangman Page and Jurassic Express against uh, the Undisputed Elite, I think is the yes. the latest name the stable's going by. Well, they're going to be called the Pendulum. No, the, the Paragon. Paragon. The one, yep. Undisputed Elite is better than <laughs> yes, Paragon it, it, because it, it is, feeds it into is. the reason why they're in this company and who they're going to feud with. Like, it speaks to their ego, the, uh, their characters' egos as well. Absolutely. Um, I think this match should be excellent. I expect it to main event the show, given what we've said about Bucks versus FTR. Um, Christian Cage is a fantastic counter-wrestler, as is um, Adam Cole. And again, Tony Khan is a mischievous boy. <laughs> One of the reasons why I generally thought, like, oh, you know, acting aside, like Edge versus AJ Styles should be really good because they're both great at counters. Yep. I love counters. I love the spaces between moves. I like any kind of Tanahashi-esque craft. And Christian Cage is kind of the TV North American Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Edge kind of is too. I think he's booked this to do a better version of the match that people thought was going to be the great wrestling match at WrestleMania <laughs> 38. Now, generally, there's huge similarities between the performers involved in terms of the style of match they can have. They both wrestle defensively. I think this is going to be better than the WrestleMania match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy the WrestleMania match. That's so boring. Um, yeah, so the, ponderous and arrogant. They just shot. Yeah, they shot for they shot for WrestleMania twenty six Undertaker Sean, and they landed in a completely different galaxy. It was not not a great match. I would argue not even a good match personally. Um, yeah, this should be this could be really good. Christian. I think, is the perfect guy to kind of neutralize the things I don't particularly enjoy about Adam Cole's performances. Um, things like the... You know, the, the I, I rabbit on about this all the time, but I'll repeat it anyway. Things like the facial expressions. Things like the, the need to have a Panama Sunrise kick out in every match. Things like the kind of stuff that resonates really well in the arena because you're playing as much to the person in the front row as you are the person millions and millions of rows away so you need to make things a bit more overemphasized tv wrestling is a little bit different something that comes off a little bit hokey through the tv camera doesn't necessarily come off that way in the back row of the building um he's so over he's one of the most over guys in the company i think that people who are trying to portray his run as like a failure are complete like they're out the lunch yeah yeah they're 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 nuts because I mean, listen to how this guy is being received. He just headlined a pay-per-view a few mu a few weeks ago. Like, come on. He's one of the few guys to get a sustained actual reaction on an AEW yeah. pay-per-view as well. That should not go unmentioned. It's one of the louder AEW pay-per-views they've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so while I'm not always into, into his work, and I really, uh, there, there have been some of his big matches that I really just haven't enjoyed, um, 
only a, only someone who's not watching the show really would try and trumpet this as some kind of objective failure. But Christian is like one of the smartest wrestlers in the world, really, even still now where, you know, he's had all these concussion in, issues through the years. And, and he was one of these guys who we thought would never come back. But he's delivered high-level work against Kenny Omega. His first match with, with Frankie Kazarian was so smartly worked as well. Uh, it was good to see him selling in that match as well, right out of the bats. Um, everything he's done so far, while maybe not like blow away match of the year caliber or whatever, uh, has been at least worth watching. And it has had a story uh, that has ran through it and all of that good stuff. I think that Christian is going to do a grand old job of reining in the aspects of the more over the top aspects of the Adam Cole wrestling persona that I don't enjoy. And I think they're going to have a great main event. What's going to, what's going to happen here on this show is I'm going in at glass half full because that's what they've, they've, They've earned uh, in that it's largely built around two things that a lot of the time I haven't really enjoyed. The Young Bucks FTR pairing and a big Adam Cole singles match. And yet here we are because of the circumstances they've crafted leading into this show. I think it's going to be the best Dynamite episode of the year, maybe? I think it will be. I'll be disappointed if it isn't. That's how much stock I'm putting in the opening, presumed opener between FTR and Bucks. Uh, Let us know how excited you are. I suspect there's going to be quite a unanimous um, agreement on that. Um, On Twitter, underneath the link to this podcast, at WhatCultureWWE, whilst you're there, you can follow Andy Murray at... At Andy H. Murray. The H stands for William. You can follow me at M. Sidgwick. Uh, once again, um, thank you for joining us. And you can subscribe to What Culture Wrestling Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, later today, we are going to answer your most burning questions. Again, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get a chance to ask us those. We so much appreciate your listening to us. It facilitates our lives, which we quite enjoy. Uh, so thank you for that. And again, we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.